Hamatakiapi, and welcome to Food Revolution, brought to you by the Sichungu Food Sovereignty Initiative. Every other week, we'll be bringing you stories of food sovereignty from community members and tribal food producers working to build a more just, equitable, and regenerative food system for our Sichungu Lakota Oyate, the Burnt Thai Nation. Together, we're building a tribal sovereignty through food, and we've set a place at the table just for you. Join us and be part of the food revolution. All right, welcome back to another episode of Food Revolution. This is Matt Wilson, and today our topic is going to be about the Wolakota Buffalo Project, which will soon to be the, the world's largest indigenous-managed buffalo herd in the world. Today, our guest is Jimmy Doyle. Jimmy, do you want to introduce yourself, please? Uh, yeah, I'm Jimmy Doyle, and I am the, the Buffalo Range Manager for the Wolakota Project for Redco here in the Rosebud Reservation. Awesome. So, Jimmy, tell me a little bit about Wolakota. Um, like, what organizations have been involved in this project, and and how long has the project been in development? You know, uh, that's a, a good question as far as how long it's been in development. Uh, that it all kind of started before I came on board, but I'd say it's it's been well over a year in the making. You know, as far as getting all the approval and funding in place, um, and it's been just a a partnership in every sense. Uh, I'm sure I'll miss some of the people who have been involved in this, but, you know, Redco, of course, is kind of spearheading the efforts on the ground out here, but we have a lot of different partners who have helped make it a reality. Um, some of the big ones would be World Wildlife Fund has been a tremendous resource. Um, the Department of Interior and National Parks in particular there have uh, been been a great resource for us uh, as far as sourcing buffalo, um, the, the Rosebud Sea Tribe and the Tribal Land Enterprise has been instrumental in making this happen. Um, just the Bureau of Indian Affairs has played a huge role. You know, we've just had a lot of a lot of different people and groups that have been involved in different ways, from big to small, and you know, every every one of them has been really helpful in getting this going and off the ground. Awesome. Those are some great partnerships. So, Jimmy, tell me, where is the project, the Buffalo Project, located at? The, the property that this is taking place on is uh, it's known as Mustang Meadows. It's a, a large ranch that the Rosebud Tribe owns in the southwest corner of the Rosebud Reservation. Uh, it was, was privately owned, and then the tribe purchased it back about oh, 25 years ago, give or take. Uh, it's just shy of 28,000 acres. It's all contiguous. It's, it's one big piece, um, but it's in a really remote, you know, kind of inaccessible area. Uh, it's a really neat piece of ground. It's, a lot of it is kind of sandhills ecosystem, which is mostly in Nebraska. There's just one little, one little pocket where it dips up into South Dakota, and that's pretty much where this ranch is located and then, you know, kind of the surrounding areas. So it's kind of a unique ecosystem uh, compared to the rest of South Dakota. Awesome. I actually had the chance to uh, go out there a few weeks ago. It was a, it was a really awesome property. So I was glad I was able to see them before we released them. Um, so tell me, Jimmy, when did you join the project and, and how did that process start? How did you hear about this um, project? Yeah, I came on board uh, just before 
I think it was right around the end of July when I started. Uh, so I, I guess I don't remember exactly how I heard about it, but just kind of through the grapevine. I was living in the area already and uh, been working in wildlife ecology and rangeland management, which is kind of right up my alley as far as what I'm interested in and kind of my background. Uh, what I'm really excited about. So it started towards the end of summer and just been, been kind of a whirlwind ever since then. Yeah, definitely. How many uh how many people are on your on your team? Or is it just you? On the ground out here we have myself and an assistant. Uh but there are a lot of other people that are instrumental in the project. Uh and we have a lot of other you know, some of those partners I mentioned earlier that are kind of working behind the scenes to help get us what we need and keep things going because it's uh, kind of a huge undertaking to turn a property of this size and we're basically starting from scratch as far as a buffalo ranch is concerned because none of the infrastructure there is suitable for buffalo for the most part so it helps keep things moving along uh, while TJ and I are out you know, doing stuff you know, fixing fence and working on wells and stuff like that it's really a, a huge project, and you know, it's basically two of us on the ground, but we have a lot of other people that are working behind the scenes. Okay, well, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, how many buffalo are currently on the property, and, and where do they all come from? We currently have uh, 100 buffalo, and they came from the National Park System. So 50 of them came from from Badlands National Park in South Dakota, and the other 50 came from Theodore Roosevelt National Park in western North Dakota. Awesome. And what was that process like bringing them from those parks to Rosebud? So they came in October, um, but the, based on the parks' roundup schedules, they came a couple of weeks apart. Uh, so what we decided to do was hold them in a corral for a short period, uh, feed them hay, uh, and the reason we did this was to get the get the two herds kind of socialized with one another, uh, so they would you know become familiar with each other and you know hopefully form some bonds. So when we turned them out into this huge pasture, they wouldn't just stay as two separate herds all winter long. Uh, mm. So we we brought in the first the first load came from Badlands, and so we brought them in and loaded them into the corral. And then a couple of weeks later, we got the second load from North Dakota, and we initially had them in two separate pens in the corral so they could kind of sniff each other across the fence line, get to know each other. And then we opened up the gates and let them intermingle and held them for about another week or so all together just so they could socialize and help them kind of settle into the area and start thinking of this is home, let them get comfortable, get over the stress of being handled and shipping and all that. Uh, mm -hmm. We wanted them to, before we turned them out to pasture, we wanted them to be comfortable and relaxed so that they wouldn't go out and immediately run through a fence and try to find their way back home. And, uh, so far, it seems to have been working. We turned them out on October 30th to pasture at a, a small release event. It was, it was a really nice day, nice event. We had a few folks turn out and say some remarks about the buffalo and the project, and we let the buffalo out into the pasture. And so far, they seem to be doing really well and seem to be settling in just fine. Awesome. That's great to hear that. 
but that's it's pretty cool that they were able to uh relatives reintroducing themselves to one another. I thought that's pretty cool. Um, as far as herd management, what is it like managing the herd day to day? Well, one of the really nice things with buffalo is they're very self sufficient. They've been they've been living in this area for millions of years and you know, they're just really good at taking care of themselves. So we don't really do a lot as far as managing the herd itself or the animals. You know, essentially what we're doing is providing them the environment to thrive in. So we're you know, a lot of the work we're focusing on now is infrastructure getting getting fences used up, you know, making them a little bit taller and stronger for the bison. You know, once we're as we start getting more of these fences built up, we'll be rotating the herd through through the different pastures. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. You know, in the future, we'll probably probably round the animals up once a year just to process them and get a get a good herd inventory and stuff like that. But they're really a pretty hands-off animal, which makes for you know, relatively low input management, which is nice. So, in terms of like ecosystems approach, how will the buffalo help re- revitalize the prairie ecosystem? So this property that we're on, the Mustang Meadows Ranch, has been in, in recent history has been kind of abused and neglected and overgrazed. So, one of the one of our main goals with this project is to show how we can use the buffalo to restore a, a degraded landscape. You know, basically bring back the the health of the prairie rangeland and that you know, that entire ecosystem. Uh, you know, buffalo are essentially kind of the the umbrella species that's going to help make this all happen. But there's so much going on in the prairie aside from just the buffalo. So, mm-hmm. so we're essentially stewards of that that prairie ecosystem, and by rotating the bison herd around, that will help promote you know, higher species diversity in the plant community. Um, so hopefully bring back some more of the the native plants that mm-hmm. are in the area. Yeah. Uh, several of the pastures that have been overgrazed are kind of dominated by less desirable invasive species. So we hope to kind of move away from that sort of plant community and back to more of a diverse native plant community. That'll have effects through the, through the whole ecosystem as far as insects and other wildlife birds and mammals and stuff so so yeah we're really excited to kind of see where we can take this with with planned managed grazing um as opposed to just being severely overstocked and very little management of where livestock is grazing in the past so we're we're hoping we can use this as as a good model for, for regenerating degraded landscapes with grazing Awesome. That sounds like a great plan. Um, in terms of land base, how many acres is there at Mustang Meadows? It's uh, it's just under 28,000 acres. A pretty big chunk of ground. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Tommy, Jimmy, in terms of like, the future, how will Wolico to make buffalo meat more accessible for tribal members once again in terms of like, pricing um, and increasing the local supply? Yeah, so the the cultural component of this project is is hugely important to all of us that are involved in it. That's kind of one thing that really makes this project different than than any other large ranching 
enterprise on this scale is it's not strictly focused on the economic outcomes and the cultural part of it is huge for us where we want to, to help the Lakota reconnect with the Buffalo and help restore that relationship and make it real and tangible again after the Buffalo have been essentially wiped out and basically removed mm-hmm. from this landscape. And so part of that is going to be making meat available and you're not entirely sure what that's going to look like in the future. You know, this, this project is kind of or very much in the infancy stages and it's rapidly developing. Everything is changing and constantly evolving. So exactly what form that's going to take is still kind of up in the air, but it's something mm-hmm. that we're, we're very much on board with doing and just figuring out the mechanics of, of how we're doing that. Um, so we're probably going to be looking at sort of a, a blended hybrid model of selling some of the meat to generate revenue because you know, running an operation on this scale takes a, a huge amount of capital and a lot of investment. So there, there is a very significant expense that needs to be covered, but we we don't want to lose sight of the local need for buffalo, you know, that connection with the buffalo and buffalo meat. So we're kind of looking at, at some hybrid there where the buffalo can continue to help provide for the Lakota um, in a, you know, sort of a, a different manner than back in the 1700s. You know, now it's going to look more like providing economic activity, you know, generating revenue on the reservation, uh, generating jobs and employment, um, but then also still having, you know, that physical provision in, in the form of buffalo meat. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. In terms of um, partnerships, is there anything in the future in terms of working with, with local schools, such as like the um, the Lakota Immersion School here on the reservation? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, another part of that cultural component that's so important to this project. Um, again, you know, we're, we don't know exactly what form that will take as we move forward, but it's something that we've already started making strides and we had some of the immersion school students out for the release event. So they, you know, they were able to see Buffalo, watch the Buffalo go back onto their ancestral homelands, you know, learn, learn from some of the speakers there about the role of the Buffalo in Lakota culture. That's something that we're really looking to expand. Um, and one thing we're looking at doing, hopefully first thing next spring is start building a workshop on the property that that will also serve as sort of an educational center and you know kind of a, a gathering area for where we can process buffalo meat have have events like that. Uh so yeah it's again something that isn't fully fleshed out. We're kind of taking it one day at a time but, but increasing that that outreach and you know helping helping the local community reconnect with the Buffalo is a, a huge part of this project and definitely something that we want to be mindful of as we're planning our, our growth in the future. Awesome. We're, we're looking forward to it. I mean, this is a, a really great project. There's like so many opportunities from this one project. I definitely like the plans you have for, you know, working with the schools. I, you know, something that's really important to us at the Food Sovereign Initiative is working with youth, um, so we're really excited to see where that project goes. Um, 
but Jamie, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy day um, to talking with us today. Um, we really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Well, that was Jim and Doyle, um, and this is Matt Wilson from the Food Sour Initiative, and this is the Food Revolution. You've been listening to Food Revolution with the Sichungu Food Sovereignty Initiative. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Sichungu Community Development Corporation, Instagram at Sichungu CDC, and check out our website at www.sichungucdc.org.